Hello and welcome to the Artsy Podcast, where this week two editors and a special guest will take you around the art world. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined by staff writer Alexa Godhart. Hi, Isaac. And community curator at Giphy, Ari Spool. Hi, how are you? Great. And it's great to have you because you are really our first uh, special guest on the podcast. Um, You're here really just to tell us if it's GIF or GIF. It's GIF. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Um, So this week we're going to be talking about the virality of GIFs and how the art community is tapping into the GIF as an artistic medium. Alexa wrote an article about GIFs and Giphy um, last week. So I think a good place to begin, though, before we get any deeper, Ari, what is Giphy? What we like to say is that Giphy is all the GIFs. And before Giphy, it was very difficult for you to find a GIF. Um, Even if you Googled for something, you wouldn't be able to find the image that you were looking for. So we created a new search engine that would return GIFs specifically. And um, our CEO, Alex Chung, made this project with a couple of his friends. And the weekend he launched it, he ex- he showed it to some buddies and he thought they were going to give him notes and feedback. <laughs> and instead, he got 30,000 site visitors wow. and his Whoa. server exploded. <laughs> and so, this was when? What, what um, this is three years ago. Okay. And since then, Giphy has grown, although not as much as you might expect um, in these kind of startup situations, to become a GIF warehouse in a way. I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, when you sort of say something like GIF warehouse, might not think that there's any sort of editorial curation going on. It's just sort of exactly that, a warehouse of GIFs, which, I mean, do we need to explain what a GIF, GIF is? Maybe, I'm not, yeah. Okay, let's, it just before, okay, so before we get any deeper, we'll go even one, one step further down, what is a GIF? So GIFs were invented in 1987 as a... <laughs> as I'm glad a, you're prepared for yeah. that. I mean, I talk about it all the time. It's a, one of the oldest formats on the internet, and it's an image compression format that was invented as part of the CompuServe operational system in 1987, and it was used as a way to make it so that images could be read and seen by computers much faster than other types of compression formats. So one of the ways it did that is it reduced the colors. That's kind of important to the discussion. Um, GIFs generally do not have a full range of colors in the same way that a JPEG would. Hmm. In 1994, animation was added to GIFs. The animation processes automatically. So when you load a GIF in a website, it looks like a video, but it is just playing on an endless loop because Mm -hmm. there's only a certain number of frames. Mm -hmm. So back to Giphy, um, which we were about to talk about. So when people say something like warehouse, I think, you know, passive vacuum of all the gifts in the world, but there's actually an editorial component and a curatorial component to it. Right. So if you compare it to something like Google image search, which is something that people are more familiar with, when you search for the word happy on Google image search, you're going to get a smile face. You're going to get the emoji for happy. You might get a few stock images of a woman smiling. But when you search for happy on Giphy, you get a wide range of images that are all kinds of different grades of happy so there's a panda jumping up and down there's somebody like with their fist raised in the air going yes (laughs) there's clips from movies where people were told good news and the way that we make these results so complete and so useful in terms of emotional display is that there's actually a person and there's a person who goes through happy and says this one is good 
So Alexa, you kind of got interested in thinking about GIFs as works of art, as works of visual culture that we should evaluate as art that do some of the same things as art. Can you maybe talk about that connection? Yeah, definitely. So um, actually, it's probably through my friendship and acquaintance with Ari that I started thinking about gifts as art. Um, Ari was telling me uh, about a year ago or so that she started working at Giphy and that she was a curator there. And I was like, whoa, maybe this is ignorant of me, but I've never thought of gifts as art and, and I've never thought of the fact that they could be curated. And then of course, during the election cycle, I started seeing a lot of artist created gifts pop up all over the internet. I use some of them myself. As I mentioned in the article, I used a GIF that um, was made by an artist that was kind of forged in um, support of Hillary. During the election cycle, I sent it to someone on Bumble, which is a dating app. (laughs) (laughs) Very 21st Um, century. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I can combine art, my political leanings, and dating in one fell swoop through a GIF. This is cool. (laughs) What does this mean? Um, So that's when I thought that I could maybe engage Ari to talk a little bit more about how a gift can be art, how a gift can be curated, and what that means. And Ari, you, you curate art gifts at Giphy. Um, what, what, what differentiates an art gift from, you know, a gift of like a, a cat falling out of a tree or something? We differentiate them by their creator. An artist makes a gift where they draw a cat falling out of a tree. That would be an art gift. But we differentiate things by who's uploading. So we have a part of the site called it's giphy.com backslash artists. And there are 1,150 people there who have been officially designated as artists. And we add between 10 and 20 a week to that list. And these people are all independent creators, often illustrators, animators, um, stop motion photographers, uh, cinemagraph photographers, which is kind of a form that's pretty unique to the GIF, um, a variety of other types of creators who are constantly uploading their new work. So I, I think there is probably a group of people who, even when they become aware that some people think about gifts as art, would kind of be like, what? No, they're not. How do you kind of, you know, how would you take it to the critics there? I think there's a couple different ways to address that. One, of course, is like, well, any kind of currency of the people, like gifts are super accessible, right? Anyone can make a gift. You can go on to giphy.com and make a gift right now. And how do you distinguish the people who are making good gifts from the people who are making bad gifts and therefore aren't all of them bad? This is kind of a, <laughs> this is the common argument for formats that are currency, right? Like this was the argument with comics and, you know, now our crumb has a show around the corner and, we all think that's normal. I think that these are kind of currency formats like that where they're kind of free to use mm-hmm. uh, end up having this kind of association that they, for at least their first two thirds of their life until they become valuable. Um, we're trying to speed up that process a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested in that. I remember you saying that you're trying to create an economy for gifts. Um, how do you go about doing that? So we have a couple methods. One is that we have a creative studio in Los Angeles that helps us uh, 
find clients who are interested in gift creation for their advertising and other types of image needs. So who, who would those clients be? Um, some recent clients include the Grammys. Hmm. Um, we did something for NBC. We've had clients like Christiane Lobotan. Like <laughs> they're all over the map. Um, people use these kinds of images in their social media marketing. Um, and even the project that I mentioned for NBC was displayed in the video screens that are in the subway at World Trade Center. Wow. So those, they're just, it's a production house for images and they hire a lot of freelance talent. But that's not art necessarily. Well, we consider anyone who's in our artist directory to mm-hmm. be an artist, whether mm-hmm. or not they're an editorial artist, mm-hmm. which is commonly one of the ways somebody can be an artist mm-hmm. in this format. The other way is that we are, and this is more to my job, we are doing a lot of programming that specifically revolves around commission and asking people to create new work in their practice, but using the GIF format. We also are looking to commission lots of creative software projects that might integrate with the GIF format as well. So we're kind of playing a little bit of a patron right now to see where where we can go and kind of bringing the format to the next level where we can start to establish programs of perhaps paid consumption or some other type of system for compensation for artists. Unfortunately, the big difference between a GIF and another piece of art is that there's not going to be a secondary market. This is always going to be an issue with digital art. And I think that we are working on trying to figure out a way to compensate artists aptly in the primary market, not that artists ever get compensated in the secondary market, but (laughs) uh, to compensate them aptly in the primary market enough to make a living. So we talked a bit about what makes a GIF good, but what makes a GIF go viral? Well, partially that's my job. So (laughs) by exposing a GIF to as many people as possible, we can get it in front of eyeballs of people who are going to repost it, who are going to find it valuable in their own social media lives or own messaging lives. And so a lot of times having a gift that is, for instance, going to be tied to an extremely commonly searched term will get that gift a lot of eyeballs. So partially it's the system that makes the gifts go viral. However, there's also, I think, a lot of things that artists do right that put their work in front of eyeballs obviously being topical um the hillary gift that you referenced came out directly after she was in a debate and people really wanted to support her and they the production of that image at the right time in the right place made it so that that gift was just all over facebook so i i haven't actually seen this gift uh, what does it look like the hillary gift was a response to when Hillary made that little shimmy movement after being insulted by Donald Trump. And the artist, Libby Vanderplug, took that movement and reinterpreted it in a matrix of nine people, men and women, who are doing the shimmy in sync. And it says, shimmy if you're with her. And so it became kind of a banner image that people were using on social media and I guess in Bumble, to (laughs) send to people who they wanted to have a way to support Hillary after the debate. And 
obviously like there's a huge political component to to gifts the most popular gift of 2016 if i'm right was this obama mic drop gif which is really cool how do you think gifts have kind of become a part of the political conversation i think that the the combination of 2016 being kind of obama's last dance in front of the nation and people really wanting closure of this administration uh made people excited to use that gift to talk about their feelings and even to not talk about them, right? A lot of times we send a gift as a replacement for using words because it's easier and it's quicker and words are an imperfect medium and maybe the gift is slightly more perfect. It is interesting to me how you sort of mention uh, gifts are kind of things we, we can use when we don't have the words uh, to describe something, I think a lot of people right now are are just like at a loss for words, and mm-hmm. and I can only imagine that gifs and memes are going to become more and more, uh, have more and more potency um, as time goes on. Yeah, language is always an adaptation of what you really mean, right? We get our best signals from each other from looking in your eyes or from seeing how you're gesturing, and those things are always going to be more communicative. And right now you can send those via a text message by using a GIF. And that is the easiest way to not be misunderstood. So historically, I think, you know, visual art, painting, sculpture has been used as a tool to kind of communicate maybe some of the things that you're talking about now in terms of emotions, feelings, reactions, parsing, political events, uh, history. But GIFs kind of offer a certain immediacy. And how do you think that immediacy is kind of changing or an important part of the contemporary dialogue. It's exciting to see that people are interested in interpreting their language visually. And what I think we at Giphy want to add to that is diversity of imagery. So we are always excited to attempt to make our results as diverse as possible. And that means that when you search for happy, maybe you get something from Steph Curry, the basketball player, dancing, or you get something that is perhaps the 2017 equivalent of a painting where it's a finely detailed art image that conveys happiness and joy and has as much production value or quality as we would think a painting would. But I think that what we're trying to do is make it so that the quality of the gifts that you send is on par with the rest of the history of fine art. Because in essence, that is what fine art is for. It is for conveying emotion. It is for conveying a message. And there's not much of a difference between what that does and what we're doing, with the exception, perhaps, of movement. And that's about it. All right, it's time for white wine. Uh, Ari, we'll give you a little bit of, of time to think about it because you're new. But Alexa, what's what's an exhibition you will see or have seen recently? I am really excited because I'm going to Berlin next week for the first time since I was 14. I'm 30. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a lot of personal info from you this podcast, I know, Alexa. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know. I just feel like sharing today. Um <laughs> But I'm going to be going to this Paul Tech Jason Dodge exhibition at the Schinkel Pavilion while I'm there, which I'm really excited about. I would very much like to go see the Elizabeth Murray show at Canada on Broom Street. 
but I have to get out of my winter habitation <laughs> in order to actually get down there. Although this week's weather is really looking great yeah. for it. Um, I'm also, I really don't know if I missed it, but if I miss Tal R at Hyman Reed, I'm going to be bummed. And <laughs> I am, uh, I went to see the Pacabi exhibition last week at the MoMA. Nice. I have to say though, uh oh, not a fan. Oh, except why? the monsters paintings. I, not a fan of the artist or not a fan of the hanging or this is a controversial opinion um but <laughs> i i think that i didn't find the work particularly uh moving except for the monsters paintings and also i thought that some of the contextualization around his anti-semitism mm. um you know there's a whole room of paintings he did in while he was in the south of france in vichy france and the wall text is like you know was is this painting titled the wandering jew anti-semitic it's like hard to know it's like mm. well I don't really, <laughs> yeah. I have some thoughts. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was, you know, that there were some, there were some problems, um, but I would still recommend seeing it, honestly, uh, just because it's, you know, topic, hot topic. Yeah. Um, PSA, the Talar exhibition is up through February 11th. <sighs> Phew. Thanks for that Goodness. active fact check. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Alexa and Ari for joining us this week. It was great to have you. Um, please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. See you next time. Our producer this week was editorial associate Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for Free. Broke for Free.